The city of brotherly love wasn't so lovely for the Mets. They get spanked in a four-game series, getting swept by the Phillies, who are atop the wild card. Speaking of the wild card, Friday night, the Mets were officially eliminated from playoff contention. So what lies ahead? It's the final week of the season. Six games, all at City Field, some good giveaways, some young players playing, and Senga going for win number 13. We'll talk about all the Mets storylines in the final week as New York Post sports reporter Zach Braziller will join me. It's all coming up next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm the pod father, Jake Brown. Follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Follow the podcast at Amazing But True. Watch us on the New York Post Sports YouTube page and follow that Amazing But True playlist. Give us a thumbs up below and comment below. How'd you feel about this Mets season? Let it rip. Uh, Zach Braziller will join us for the first time this season from the New York Post. Buddy of mine, a fellow historian, not a historian, but a historian, will join me in just a few minutes after the Mets had their asses handed to them by the Philadelphia Phillies in the land of brotherly love. The Mets swept four games by the Phillies to fall to 71 and 85 on this absolutely miserable 2023 season. And Friday, it finally happened. We were waiting for it to become official. The New York Mets were eliminated from playoff contention. So you say you got to believe till you're mathematically eliminated. Well, they are eliminated. So these games don't matter. But, you know, you look for storylines at this time of the year. And obviously we talked endlessly about Ronnie Timber and Ronnie Mauricio on Sunday night, hitting his first career homer as a right-hander. His second of his career, the first one as a lefty, a bomb 440 feet into the Coke corner. This one, a scorching liner to left field through the wind and through that delay that happened in Philly that the game got pushed at 6 p.m. and allow you to focus on the football games and you know wait for the Mets till later. Ronnie Timber. Now he's down to 260, but listen, the guy has had a hit in 15 of the 20 games. He's had five two-hit games. He is still looks good to me and still should be fighting for a starting spot. So I'm not going to look too deep in his 260 average because he showed he can hit. And I know he's only got two homers in 20 games, but the power will come. And, you know, I've liked what I've seen from Ronnie Mauricio. The other story was Anthony Kay. Does that name sound familiar? Well, it is. His third stint with the Mets. Well, the first time didn't happen because he opted not to sign with the Mets, draft him in the 29th round in 2013. He gets drafted again by the Mets in the first round. How about that? Going to UConn. Comes back, drafted by the Mets in the first round, 31st pick in 2016. He gets traded, he gets reaches AAA with the Mets, but then gets traded to the Blue Jays in 2019 in the Marcus Stroman trade, another Long Island on Long Island trade. And then Sunday, you know, after a 6-3-5 ERA and 13 relief appearances for the Cubs this year, past three years was in the Blue Jays, on the Blue Jays in their minor league system. He gets called up, he strikes at two, inning at two-thirds, scoreless relief, good outing from him out of the bullpen. So good to see Anthony K back. And it was interesting. He said he's already seen the insane improvements made by the Mets from his time there in 20, you know, 
2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019 in just a week in the minors and AAA. And, you know, with the Mets, he sees the vast improvement from whether it's food, nutrition, everything in the organization. So good for a Long Island guy. He'll return home this week. Mets, six final games all at home, three against the Marlins as they look to play spoilers. The Marlins a game out of the playoffs and then three against the Phillies, which the games won't really matter for them much as they are pretty much locking up that number one, uh, you know, one more win or another loss. One of those teams to lock up that one spot in the wild card and have a home field for the wild card. Uh, the D-backs are the second, the Cubs are the third, and the Marlins a game out, Reds two and a half, and then the Padres and Giants. Giants are really free-falling. Uh, they are both five out as they face elimination here the coming week and the coming days. But the Mets will try to play spoiler against David Robertson and company and these Miami Marlins as they are fighting for a spot. Listen, the Marlins aren't really good enough, I don't think, to be in the playoffs, but they've had a remarkable season for a team that isn't good enough. But they've had some good pieces, good stories, good bats. I mean, Luis Arise, they got a lot of young talent. And again, it harps on the fact that these teams without money from top to bottom get it right. They find a way. Look at the Orioles, look at the Rays, look at the Marlins. Those are the three prime examples of teams that didn't spend a boatload but built from within and developed prospects. They turned out to be good. And look where these teams are. The Orioles are about to win the division. The Rays are about to make the playoffs. The Marlins are fighting for a playoff spot. The Mets will try and play a part in knocking them out in this final week. And, you know, the Mets aren't in the playoffs, but the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are. I mean, the Ponies. How about them Ponies? Ride that pony. My pony. You knew it. Riding Rumble Ponies. They beat the Somerset Patriots two games to none. They'll play the Erie Seawolves. That was a tongue twister. The Seawolves in the Eastern League Championship Series, where you get to see the likes of Jet Williams, Jeremiah Jackson, Luis Angel Acuna. I mean, the fact Jeremiah Jackson is making playoff contributions for a minor league team when the Mets traded Dominic Leone for him is quite remarkable. Acuna will see, Acuna Matata will see if he'll, you know, be a part of the 2024 New York Mets. We expect him to be part of the 2024 Syracuse Mets. At some point, if not at the start of the season, you know, you, you had K called up Peyton Battlefield. I can't say I've heard of him got called up. And, you know, the major league storylines, you know, Lindor's three homers away from 30, 30, 30 years. He's got 30 steals. He needs three and six games. Pete is still at 45. He needs five and six games. I don't think 50 is going to happen unless he goes on a heater. Now, listen, he could have two games where he hits two homers and then maybe hits one the last game of the season and gets to it. But I don't know. It's going to be tough to do five and six games here, especially against a Marlins team fighting for a spot. That's going to be tough to pull off. But those are kind of what you're watching for the last week. Starling Marte might return this week. I really don't understand it. I mean, what's the point? I mean, you could see him in the offseason. What's the point of even trotting him out there and risk him getting hurt in a meaningless week of baseball? So we'll see if he actually does play this week. You know, the Mets made the right call to say, hey, Edwin Diaz, we're not going to pitch you this year. We'll see you next year. And that's the only decision that had to be made. And now Francisco Alvarez hurt. Got hit in the hand, you know, a couple of foul tips. I'd probably just play it safe and shut him down. I mean, listen, it's it's the final week at home. Whoever's playing, you're not selling any tickets. going to be dead this week. You know, you'll get some fans. You know, you got the giveaways. Thursday is the Buck Showalter-inspired windbreaker, which I kind of want, and I'm probably going to have to wear it to the game. It's going to get chilly now this week. At night, it'll get into the 50s, you know, low 60s, high 50s. So it is hoodie season. It's a great season for us, big fellas, where we rock our bundles of clothes and, you know, look slimmer than we actually are by wearing, you know, hoodies. Or I guess we look fatter. I don't know. 
works. But we stay warm. So that's with Thursday and then Friday is the Mets crossbody. I'll call it the Zach Galifianakis uh, hangover bag. It's it's not a bag. It's a sunshine. Uh That's Friday and Saturday, tie-dye a headband. So if you want to go see Woodstock and then tie-dye a headband and, and trip on some shrooms, go to that on Saturday and get the tie-dye headband. You know, the, the headband, I don't know as a bald man if I could pull the headband off. I mean, I could pull anything off, honestly. I mean, people make fun of the shades I rock because – they do seem like female shade, but I rock them. I rock them well. You know, they look good on me. So maybe I could pull off a tie dye headband. Maybe I'll go Sunday in the windbreaker with with the crossbody bag, wearing the headband. That'd be great content. You know, with how bad the Jets are, I don't know if I'm gonna go to Jets Chiefs Sunday. You hear about that? My rant on Gangs All Here podcast. But maybe I'll do that. I'll wear the big, sexy, long sleeve shirt. The Buck Showalter inspired windbreaker, the Mets crossbody bag. I'll put on the Pete Alonzo polar bear shades giveaway and wear the tie dye headband and then maybe throw the corduroy hat on top. I want to talk about a walking Mets promotion. Put me in a commercial on that. And SMY. just wearing all the Mets promotions. That'd be pretty funny. So that's the upcoming six Sango Wednesday. It'll be nice to see him maybe go for win number 13 against the Marlins. What a season. He has just been tremendous. Joey Lucchese has been sneaky good, 3-0, sub-3 ERA. So, Lucchese fighting for a depth spot next year. Sanga, you know, in the Cy Young discussion, he won't get it, but it will be nice to see him go for that on Wednesday. And then, again, Mets try and play spoiler, and then the giveaways. That's what you're watching for in this final week of this Mets season. Let's talk about all the Mets storylines with a guy who writes about sports. The Mets and all the New York sports scenes, big in the college sports scenes. And that's Zach Braziller from the New York Post will join me on Amazing But True next. Do it for me, Buck. All right, we're back on Amazing But True at Jake Brown at Jake Brown Radio at Amazing But True on Twitter. Join now for the first time this season by now. You you went to Hofstra too, right, Zach? What, what no, year? I went you to did. school in Jersey. I always mistake that you went to Hofstra because you're the only person in the New York Post that writes about Hofstra, I think. No one else cares about the Hofstra pride, but you do. Zach Brazilla, welcome to the program. How are you doing? What's going on? Zach is basically my neighbor. You know, it doesn't live too far away from me. So, you know, we eat the same Astoria eateries, the steak tidbits at Blackbirds. You know, the butcher bar meat candy is a staple item. Uh, the the French onion soup at Trestle, which I bet you haven't even had yet. yet I have not. You don't like Taverna Cyclades, which is I like, do. No, no, I like Taverna Cyclades. I think the service there is terrible. Like they'll not look in your direction for twenty minutes. So service for me is big. But listen, I had a salmon steak there. I didn't know that was an actual thing. It was like a mix of both, and it was delicious. So Taverna is great. The issue is, you know, it's always packed. Again, the service, like you got, you know, you got to know someone. But some of the Mets eat there. I know the Cohens eat there. It's a very popular spot. You got Trattori and La Contra too, Italian spot. You know, Astoria. People don't realize it's more than just Greek food here in Astoria. It is globally just everything you could imagine. We got Asian, great Asian food, Italian food. Anyways, let's talk about uh, the New York Mets uh, because they are bad just like the New York Jets are, just like the New York Giants are. And, you know, maybe the Rangers will be better. But it's been a tough season as we approach here the final six games at City Field this week. I brought up this week already the giveaways this week, why you should maybe go for those, the windbreaker, the tie-dye uh, headband. I can see you rocking a tie-dye headband. Uh, the Zach Galifianakis crossbody bag. It's a, it's a satchel, not a bag, like an hangover. You get that. 
Um, so there's some good giveaways, a little bit chillier weather. But, uh, Zach, the final week of the year, you know, what are you watching here for? What are your storylines, you know, as a guy who, you know, occasionally write about the team, as you do all the sports here in New York? Uh, what are you watching for? You know, what have you liked? What have you not liked? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of watching what I've been watching the last few weeks, you know, watching the young players, you know, watching Mauricio, watching Alvarez when they play him. You know, he only plays basically one out of every three games now, it seems like. Um, watching Batty. You know, obviously looking forward to watching Senga's last start. He's been absolutely fantastic. Mauricio is um, is fascinating to me because all year they refuse to call him up. And you heard questions, is he good enough? Is he this? Is he that? And to me, he's been better than Batty. He's been better than Vientos for the most part, even though Vientos has kind of this hot streak recently. It's really interesting because the guy can play a few positions. His defense has looked okay. It's not great, but it hasn't been awful. You know, he's a bad ball hitter. He's shown some pop, and he's hit pretty well. And I'm just kind of fascinated, like, what, you know, what are they kind of going to do with all these young guys next year? Um, And, you know, obviously we'll see what what Stearns does. You know, obviously I thought that was a – I was very very happy to see that hire. I think that was a really good hire. You know, what are they going to do with the manager? It's – there's a lot of, you know – so kind of, it's obviously the off season is going to be really, really intriguing. I, I know there was some thought early in around July that they're basically going to punt next year. I, I'd be st- I don't think that's happening. I think they're going to end up doing some good, doing some significant things. Maybe not going crazy, but they're going to do some significant things. And you know, um, the young players though, that's to me is really, really interesting. I mean, I, I'd love to hear what you think about Mauricio and just kind of the young players right now. Yeah, it is interesting. And, you know, I said in the last show, they fumbled it. It was a mistake. There's a reason guys in the front office were fired. I think they did a piss poor job evaluating Ryan Mauricio. Should have been up here in July. You know, their idea in August, once Zach, they did the trades, was let's wait for the service time on August 19th and we get the extra year control, which is an old regime kind of move. It's a move that, you know, reeks of, all right, we can't afford another year. I mean, the Mets have all the money in the world. That should have been a concern. So I thought August 1st, August 2nd, one of those days, Ronnie should have been here and you get a full two months of evaluation. So I think they just messed it up. I don't think there's any other reason around why he wasn't here because, you know, he's his exit. You know, they love their Daniel Vogelback exit velocity. Well, Ronnie Mauricio scorches balls. I mean, the ball hit like a golden retriever. The homer he hit in the Coke corner it was it was the night I got the Simba cam video that broke the Internet. And that was I think he hit a dog. That was the only bad thing he's done was maybe hit a dog with a baseball on this home run. So he's been absolutely remarkable. I don't know if you know something we don't, but I, I believe his pronunciation is Beatty. You said Batty, so I don't. He, Bad, my fault, my fault. He, he might. He is a Batty, you know, as, as we say. He's a good-looking guy, but uh, you know, Brett Beatty. That he is the big question mark, Zach. I'm not ready to give him the third base job. I'm not ready to call him a starter next year. You know, Joe DeMeo, we out on thinks they're he's they're going to trot him out, which I think would be a big mistake. I think you know they're deciding here. What do they want? Do they want Mauricio to be the starter at third? Do they start Mauricio at second, Beatty at third, and move McNeil to the outfield? Do they trade McNeil? You know, what do they do at DH? Is it Vientos? Do you get a J.D. Martinez, who I'm clamoring for them to get J.D. Martinez if they were able to pull it off? But I don't think Beatty's ready. I, I just think he's been too inconsistent, and it's tough because you don't really make him a bench player. Do you send him back to AAA next year? Is he a trade piece? Like, I just don't think there's anything. Like, he could have an incredible spring. But it doesn't make for, up for him hitting 220 and being wildly inconsistent this year. So Mauricio, I think, should be fighting for a starting spot next year, without a doubt. I just think he got the short end of the stick not getting enough time because he does a lot for you where he can play different positions, maybe not great at either, but he steals bases. 
you know, Brandon Nimmo has got to be better at that. While Nimmo had a good year, everyone loves Nimmo. You can't have a leadoff hitter steals three times. I'm sorry. You know, in, in the new baseball, the top of the order has to be on second base if they get a single. It has to be automatic second base, and he, that doesn't happen with him. So I would be interested to see Mauricio as a leadoff guy next year. I think that could be fun. Maybe Nimmo becomes your two-hitter. You kind of mix things up. So Mauricio, yes, I'm in on. Beatty, I'm not in on. And Vientos, he's had a nice streak here, Zach, the last few weeks, but you can't shoo him in on the roster next year either. I think he's either a trade piece or, you know, maybe he's a bench off the bat next year. Yeah, no, I, look, I think that's the big issue is with these young players besides Alvarez, who we obviously know is going to be the catcher. And, you know, I kind of understand why they've uh, – he's clearly worn down here, and I understand why they've kind of been resting him a lot here. But, yeah, the other three guys, it, it's it's a weird spot because are you going to really have Beatty, like, start next year in A? But you can't just pencil in any of these guys to be starters next year. You haven't seen enough to say, well, you know, Vientos will be our DH or Beatty's going to be our third baseman. You know, I, I think they should have, it should be an open competition between Beatty and Mauricio next year. I really do. I don't, and I, I'm not going into next year saying both these guys are starters. I think it should be an open competition. And I think it's, Beatty's been a little better lately. And I don't think it's a coincidence because Mauricio's been here. And I think Beatty maybe feels a little of the pressure of, hey, look, I, I better produce. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's a weird spot because you have these highly regarded prospects, but they haven't proven that they warrant, you know, being here. And then you have the whole Marte situation. And that's going to be interesting to see what, you know, what he can do. I mean, this was obviously a, disastrous of a year for him between the injuries and just his under underperformance. It's a good thing they're bringing in a GM who really knows what he's doing because there are a lot of things that have to be sorted out here. Although Epler, I guess, may still have that title, so he doesn't know what he's doing. So, But we expect Stearns to really make the baseball decision. Billy and Epler, I mean, listen, the prospects they got ended up being great, and the, the best trade may have been getting Jeremiah Jackson for Dominic Leone, honestly, without having to give all the money because you gave the Astros, you gave the Rangers, you know, a billion dollars. I mean, you paid most of these guys off for them. So the least they could do was give you a great prospect. So I don't want people calling him GM of the year because he had the ability to give them money because of uncle Stevie. So, you know, he just did what he had with the financials and, and they got a lot to do. I think if you start both those guys, that is a sign of punting. If you start a Beatty, a Mauricio and they're locked in start Mauricio. I'm fine with, but if you start Beatty, Mauricio and Vientos, all three, that is a sign. You're not really fighting to contend next year. They got to get bats and listen, they got to get a lot of things. They got to get three starting pitchers. Zach, you can't, you know, McGill. I, I know he's had a decent month. Peterson's got a little bit better, but if both those guys do not belong in the five man rotation, we we've talked about this show. They could fight for a six a seven and eight, you know, as a depth piece, like they were this year. But you can't go into 2024 with those guys started. I think it's a lock they're getting either Yamamoto or, or uh, Otani. I'll say it's going to be Yamamoto. That gives you Sanka, Yamamoto, and Quintana. Then you got to go get two starters, Zach. Enough of this. All right, well, let's see. Let's try McGill and Peterson out there. What have they done that lets you think that they're going to be you know great pieces in this rotation? Um, that's going to be the question next year because you know the pitching staff failed them this year. You know the bats weren't there for sure, but I think the pitching staff was terrible. And again, they got to fix the bullpen. I mean, you can't just have Edwin Diaz, Brooks Raley, Adam Adovino, and then call it a day with the likes of Drew Smith and, you know, Grant Hartwig and, and uh, you know, now uh, Anthony Kay coming back, the Long Islander. You got to fix the bullpen. So two starters at the very least, or three starters at least, and at least two or three bullpen pieces. How do you feel about Eduardo Rodriguez? 
I like him. I would definitely take him. I think he's a good three or four in the rotation. Is he a free agent? I thought he had an option for next year. He has an opt-out available after 2023, but he gets $18 million a year. And, you know, maybe he doesn't like Detroit and he'll come here. But, Zach, it worries me that he didn't want to go to L.A. He didn't want to go to L.A. for the Dodgers. Does he want to come to New York and pitch for the Mets, Eduardo Rodriguez? I love him. He's a great piece. Yeah, fair, fair. No, look, I, to me, it, it feels like it kind of went under the radar just how how much McGill and Peterson hurt this team. And you went into the, you know, the year thinking those guys would be really good as depth starters, and obviously their roles increase, but – I mean, they killed this team. I mean, I don't think you could say anything else. I mean, they were I – mean, Peterson has gone backwards. I, I don't think Peterson is the major league starting pitcher. He still has no idea where the ball's going half the time. Um, I know I know, McGill has been good this month, but look, there's no pressure. These games don't matter. I, I think you got to take what he's done with a grain of salt. I, I'm with you. I, they, they need to go get three starting pitchers. I, now, they don't have to be like three big-name guys. You could get – an innings eater or, or something like that, but they need to go get three starting pitchers. Now, look, you're not going to be having 40 year olds in the rotation. So that could, that's, you know, maybe you're not going to have dealing with the same injuries you had last year, but yeah, look, there's a, there's a lot of work to do here. Um, you know, I've been slightly encouraged a little bit by some of what we've seen, but there's a ton, a ton of work they have to do here to fix what's going on. I mean, it's going to be, you know, interesting to see what Stearns does. I mean, you expect him to go out and bring in a ton of free agents this year? Yeah, that's going to be the question. How many will he get? How much will he spend? You know, he's a guy who's built from within, too, you know, with Milwaukee. Um, but listen, I, some kind of trio of Yamamoto, Eduardo Rodriguez. If you could pull off a Nola, I don't see that happening. The, the other guy is probably going to be more of a fringe guy. Maybe it's a Sonny Gray. You know, if they can afford a Sonny Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Yamamoto, to join Quintana and Sanga. Zach, I'm all in on that rotation. I think that's a solid five, right? It's not bad. You trust Sonny Gray in New York? Uh, that's going to be the question. I mean, he had a really good year in Minnesota. but uh, you know, I mean, he's no been pressure. good since he left the Yankees. I mean, yeah. there's no question. He's been good since he left the Yankees. Um, you know, So you expect them to lock down Alonzo. Well, I'm on the fence on that. I think if you can't come to an agreement, on, if he wants 10 years, I'd say no. You know, if you if it, if it's six, fine. If it's eight, I, I guess you got to do it. I know the report. Who knows if if it's true or not? The Mets are denying. You know, they're they're keeping it private. Whatever is that they were similar on the number, but not the years. I'm fine if if they wait till free agency. I I don't think they need to get it done now. I think you know you have one more big year, and then if if he kills it and you get him. I, you know, I'm not in the camp of I'll lose sleep if they got a haul for Pete Alonzo and you got guys that were ready. Like if you got a starting pitcher and you got a, a high prospect position player. Now, if you're just trading him and getting prospects, yeah, I'll be mad. I don't think that's smart. But I'm not one of these people, you know, Zach, who's like, I'm quitting on the Mets if they trade Pete Alonzo. Good players get traded. That's just part of life. And they've won absolutely nothing with him here. And I'm not saying that's on him, but they've made the playoff one time when he, he's been here. He's had the big homer years, but otherwise they had one winning season. So, or I guess they had two, but one playoff year. So I don't know. I think they're going to eventually get it done. But again, I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't. Yeah, I, I would I would do everything to keep him. I would. The guy produces. This is an, an offense that doesn't hit a lot of home runs. He's loves being here from all indications. 
Um, I think he actually, I think he gets it. I, I would do everything possible to keep him. I think it would be a mistake to trade him unless you're getting, you know, like a ridiculous haul, like you're getting a quality starting pitcher and a, a top position prospect that's like in triple A. Like you mentioned, like, look, if you get a ton back, but I don't, I don't really think you're getting a ton back for him, to be honest. I think they'll eventually figure it out. I think they'll probably, you know, probably come to seven or eight years or something like that. And, you know, it's just weird how this year went. I know there's all this talk about the lock, the clubhouse and all that stuff. And I, I just think it, it's easy to point to stuff like that when you lose and you just don't have, I just think it was just a, a really bad year where like, you know, it started with the, in the WBC and you get pitchers hurt and key underperformance from guys. It was just one of those years where just nothing went right. And I, and I think sometimes you overreact to that, but I, I was glad I thought the, you know, I, I want to actually, I'm look, I'm no Billy Epler fan. I, I think he's been, I think he's a very shaky GM, but I think you got to give him credit for the trade deadline. I understand he had the money and all that stuff, but he still executed it. If you're going to rip him for some of the bad moves, you have to give him credit for what he did at the deadline. And he also had to make up for prospects for tra- trading for the likes of Tyler Naquin, Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback last year when he traded away prospects, some of those who are absolutely thriving right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it was a makeup for last year's failures when other teams went all in the Mets went half in, it was a half-ass job. I thought of the trade deadline last year, you know, not going all into, you know, trying, I mean, listen, you're also in a division here where you're fighting for division where the Atlanta Braves have it locked up for the next decade. I mean, I've said it on the show, they got TJ Maxx prices on these contracts. I mean, it's unbelievable what their front office has done locking these guys up. I will disagree. I think there were clubhouse issues this season. You know, I think it was. It was very obvious that there were, and I, I think losing plays a part of that. But a lot of these guys never hang out. They don't really, you know, they're not all about each other. Tommy Fan coming out saying, you know, I take credit in what this guy says because he's been in the league a while. He's been around a bunch of teams. He's seen a lot. And calling this the least hardworking team he's ever played for is a statement. It's a strong statement, and it's not something he was gonna. he's going to go out there and say randomly for clicks. I mean, he feels true about that, and I think – you know, you saw when guys celebrate like these guys, I don't think it's a tight knit group. I think, you know, Verlander and Scherzer, I think there were issues there maybe in the clubhouse. You know, they leave. You thought that's cleared out. I, I just don't think this is like a band of brothers. And I think that plays a part when I look at and these are minor things. You know, you might think it's corny. It's dumb. But I look at the Dodgers and like. Even the simple thing, like when they hit a double or a homer and they do this whole thing and the whole crowd does it, that is a tight unit band of brothers that knows how to win games. This Mets team is not that. When a guy hits a homer, you barely see any reaction in the dugout. And I just don't think this is a tight knit unit. And I think that's why there's going to be some shakeup uh, this offseason. We already saw the midseason shakeup. You know, a team doesn't shake it up that much if there's not issues beyond losing. Because look, Look at the wild card. I mean, 85, 86 wins gets you a spot. And you could argue that still that if the Mets didn't trade away everyone, they could have been in a position here. And I think there was something internal, Zach. So, you know, and losing plays a part. Listen, when when you started off the year and you keep losing and, and things are going wrong, it's going to down spiral out of control. But I think from, from the beginning of the year, I don't think there was something that was right about this team. That's fair, but... It's basically the same. It was almost the same team from last year, where you heard about how great the clubhouse was. But is it? Everyone says it's the same team. I mean, Verlander, Scherzer, Sanga. You know, Alvarez comes in there. You know, Beatty comes in. I don't. I wouldn't say it was the same exact team. There were a lot of different pieces. Most, mostly, though. I mean, it, it was a majority of it was the same team. I, 
and here's now let's go back to 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 the fam stuff. It's funny, like all you hear about is the you know Alonzo Lindor and all like the clubhouse issues and stuff like that. What about the manager? The manager has never no control this team. I mean, I, I think you have to consider moving on from Buck. You know, I came in here loving Buck. I, I think I, I think Stern's going to want his own guy. If he brings in Craig Castle, that's great. I think they need to potentially make a change. I don't think Buck had any awareness of anything going on. And I think Daniel Vogelback continuing to play was malpractice for this franchise. Malpractice. And I think Buck and Pete were a big reason why Vogelback plays. Vogelback was is Pete's best bud on the team. He goes in. Buck, we got to keep playing Danny. Uh, Buck loves Vogelback. He loves his veterans. You know, that's his guy. That's Pete's guy. I'm telling you, I think that's what it was this year. That is malpractice. For Vogelback to be taking at bats from the likes of Mauricio Vientos and the Baby Mets in two months that didn't matter. When you decided to punt, Vogelback playing almost every day is malpractice, Zach. I mean, I'm I'm with you on Vogelback. I mean, I they should have released him two months ago. I'm completely with you with them. I think the manager, you saw it last September. And I mean, to me, the big thing, the one big thing I took from from the athletic story was it felt like this team kind of folded under the pressure of expectations. And you saw it last September where the team couldn't handle the expectations. And Bucks teams are known for that. They're known for not playing well in big spots. You go all, you know, for his whole career. And this team kind of folded under the pressure of expectations. I, I, I think it's a no-brainer to change managers. I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. And it's gonna be, you know, Stearns, you know, the you know, Joel Sherman has said it and like the reports that, you know, Buck is not Stern's type of manager. You know, Buck is not Stern's cup of coffee. So I think with the expectations and with how last year kind of ended, I think you're right. I think you got to move on from Buck Showalter. And it's crazy because when he got here, I remember I tweeted, I, I think I said Buck Showalter will win his first World Series with the Mets. And, you know, he's not even going to come really remotely close. And at the time, I liked it. But with the direction the team is going, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to bring him back, especially if you're going to have a lot of young pieces next year. You know, I think Buck is going to be fine next year taking the check for the Mets and either going back to broadcasting or working somewhere else, wherever it may be. You know, he'll be absolutely just fine if that were the case. So uh, a sad ending here to a season that had so much promise, Zach. But uh, you're right. The hot stove's coming. It's going to be a very intriguing hot stove from starting pitching to relief to what do they do with the young guys. You know, let's see what Stearns, what, you know, imprints he has on this franchise. I do think that was a huge move for this team. And I I think it's a cool storyline, Zach, of, you know, guy interned for the Mets. He's from New York, grew up liking the Mets, now paired with an owner who loves the Mets. Billy Epler's like the odd man wearing the goofy Mets hat when he does interviews. He's on the show podcast wearing his Mets hat looking like a dope. Like, he is really the, he's the odd man out in this front office to owner chain. And I'm very interested to see what his role – does he keep the same title and just Stearns makes the role, or do they give him a new title? But I feel like keeping he, him here seems weird, too. Like, I still think there might be a small chance that Stearns come in and leaves a pink slip on his desk. I think one thing really working in Billy Epler's favor is his Japanese connections. Yeah. I think there's no question about that. Whether you're talking about Otani or Yamamoto, that to me is a, a big, big factor in him at least staying here for another year. Maybe they get one of them and then it gets fired when spring training comes. <laughs> it's like, thank, thank you for your service. And they can him. That would be uh, quite the ending to the Billy Epler era. Zach Brazil, you follow him on Twitter at NYPose underscore Brazil with an L-E at the end. 
Zach, I know you're looking forward. You got college, but you're gearing up for college basketball. You're all over the place. You had Giants this morning. You uh, you do it all, huh? A little bit, man, a little bit. We got Nick's uh, media day in a week, and um, I know hockey is getting going. And so, look, winter sports will be fun because, I don't know, I'm not very optimistic about our football teams here. Are you the football – are you going to be the Knicks full-time guy this year? Or are you splitting it, or what is the deal? I will be back to doing full-time college, and I think we will have some news coming soon about the Knicks full-time guy. Oh, okay. Interesting. Any uh, any uh, any rumors of who it could be? Is Woj coming to the post? <laughs> <laughs> I heard it's between Woj and Stephen A. Smith. Oh wow, we really upped your budget. You know, let's let's uh, <laughs> the cash flow is coming in. Jeez. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see in the coming days, I guess, who the new Knicks beat writer is. Looking forward to seeing that. Unless uh, Berman, <laughs> Berman comes out of retirement, comes back. He's he's sick of covering Florida like high school basketball. The Knicks, uh, Knicks worst nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> the Knicks will uh, not be happy if that were to happen. Well, Zach Brazil, we're happy you came on the podcast, and uh, you know, I'll see you at a uh, see you at a Trestle for some uh, French onion soup, and the, also the best fried oreos i've ever had i love fried oreos so really all right i'll definitely i'll make sure to try those next time there. i'll take you out there on me you know i've had a few parlay winning right. lately so on me i got you all right let's do it all right all right thanks for coming on all right man have a good one we have to have an annual wrap after i spit some hot bars and catch a story all righty Thanks to Zach Braziller for joining the program. As this is good night, episode 183 of the Maze But True, a New York Mets podcast from New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me in producing the show all season long. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Catch up on all old episodes from this season. Good guests we've had. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review. Watch us on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Follow that Amazing But True playlist. Give us a thumbs up. Comment below. What do you want the Mets to do this off season? Well, Figgy says we're, we're going to have Bartolo on. So you know, the hope is dropping Thursday will be our interview with Bartolo Colon. I think it'll just be kind of an interview show. I mean, these games don't really matter. So um, we hope to drop that special episode Thursday. So stay tuned for Bartolo. And then finally, you know, sadly, all good things must come to an end. And while this Mets season sucked, it's always fun doing the show. And it was a great fourth season. Listen, four seasons is tough to get through and to make it that far for a podcast about a team. And I'm proud that we've been able to do that here on Amazing But True. You know, it's been tough. It's been a lot of losing. It's been a lot, <laughs> been a lot of just pain. But, you know, we've had fun along the way. We hope you've had fun along the way. And next Monday, we will put a bow on this season. And then, you know, we hope to have emergency shows in the offseason. We'll see what the future holds of the podcast. But, you know, we hope if you know, they make a big trade or a buck's fired, we'll bring you an emergency show. But we expect Monday to be the finale until those things happen. Six games to go. Enjoy the final week at City Field. I'll see you there. I hope to be there for a few of them, at least the giveaway days. And thanks for listening to Amazing But True all season long, folks. Happy Yum Kipper, Lashana Tovar, Happy Jewish New Year, all those things to all our Jewish listeners. And thanks for all your support in this season. We'll talk to you Thursday. Peace. Riding Rumble Ponies.